it's time for the podcast that features two guys that register on the Richter scale when they go up and down the stairs. It's the Morning Five, sponsored by the Parian Lawyers. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <gasps> His ability to suck in these balls. <gasps> Sounds like a case of the Mondays. Grab your balls. <gasps> When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Yeah, and after this past weekend, a disappointing sports uh, weekend for the United States and the Braves. Uh, yeah, that's how I'm feeling this week, this morning. Welcome into the Morning Five. It's, it's Bryce, it's Billy. It is Monday, August 7th, 2023. How are we doing today? Bryce, uh, you good? Uh, uh, doing okay. Um, yeah, like you said, Braves not great this weekend. Women's national team also not great this weekend. Uh, incredible pulp locks of the weekend also not great this weekend. Um, so not a great weekend sports-wise. Uh, we did get some much-needed rain. I know we had some bad weather yesterday coming through, but, man, how much did we need that rain yesterday? It was like it was like two weeks where we didn't get any rain. Yeah, we needed it ter- terribly. So I'm I'm glad that came through. Uh, but yeah, it was a disappointing weekend. Yeah, no um, bueno, no bueno on the, on the sports front. No bueno on the weekend. But we did get football on Friday, so that was fun. Um, and I, I'm I can't wait to hear your update on on how Friday went for you. I'll give you my update too. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. Let's start with the break. Uh, well, let's start with our national day of the day, which is National Raspberries and Cream Day. Raspberries and cream. I've never had raspberries and cream. Um, I don't think I, I would to probably be try that. I, I, I don't. I've never. I've never had that. I've never been presented with the opportunity to try it. But I would. I definitely would. I, that sounds like a good combo. I'm a big fan of raspberries. You mix it in with a little cream. I would. Pro, I would definitely probably try that. Every time I think of raspberries and cream, all I think about is those can, those hard candies that. Um, I remember who had them that had raspberries and cream was the uh, flavor, but I can't remember who had them. Oh now. my goodness! I remember what you're talking about now. They were like they were like multi swirl color looking things. Is that what you're and, talking about? Yes. yes. Yeah, I totally remember those, dude. Yeah. Uh, oh, I forget who I forget who made them. I think I think the commercial goes berries and cream, berries and cream. I'm a little boy who loves berries and cream. You remember that commercial? <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, I, I would 100% remember the candy you're talking about. Um, I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll, have to, I'll have to look that up right now because I remember I remember it as well. Braves fall two to, of three from the Cubs this weekend. Uh, fall Friday and Sunday. Um, just was not a, or excuse me, Saturday and Sunday. Just not was was not a good weekend. Um, Friday it, it looked looked pretty strong. Uh, Braves beat the Cubs eight to nothing. Riley Murphy had two RBIs apiece. Acuna, Olson, Azuna, and Harris all added in an RBI. Max Fried looked phenomenal, untouchable in almost. In his return, he looked phenomenal. Six innings pitched, no earns, eight Ks, and looked like he never got hurt or or left. Like he's he's back, and he. God bless. He looked good. Yeah, he looked. He, he looked, looked nearly untouchable, man. It was it was crazy how good he looked coming off the, you know, the IL stint. I, I just I was very very shocked. I don't know yeah, why, no. but <laughs> I mean, just imagine it's he's been gone for ninety days and he pitched that well. well I mean, last start was what May May fifth, May sixth. 
Yeah, it was 91 days between starts. <laughs> it comes in and just hurls six innings with no earned runs. And for a while, what, through through four or five, he had a no-no going? Uh, Yeah, he was through four, I want to say. He, he went 12 up, 12 down. Just and then I want to say it was the first hitter in the fifth inning or second inning or first or second hitter in the fifth inning. So what do you what do you think his Cy Young odds are right now? Uh, I still think Spencer Strider is ahead of him. <laughs> and he comes in and gives that performance instantly, probably pops up into the Cy Young conversation. <laughs> so that was the good part of the, about the weekend. The bad part of the, about the weekend happened the rest of the weekend. On Saturday, the Braves fall to the Cubs 8-6. to six. Olsen had two RBIs. Acuna, Arcia, Harris all added an RBI piece. Bryce Elder looked like crap. Uh, four and a third, five earned, three Ks. I mean, just he did not. He was not hitting his spots at all. No. Um, all over the place. You could, you could just tell he was having an off day. Yeah, I don't know if it's an off day or if this is what we need to expect out of Bryce Elder now. Um, it, it's sort of become the norm for him since the month of June has started. You're going to get one or two bad starts in a row and then one or two good starts in a row. One or two bad starts in a row, one or two good starts in a row. And when I say good, I mean Bryce Elder is going to go seven, six or seven innings and allow less than two earned runs. And when I say bad, I mean Bryce Elder is going to go less than five innings and give up four or five runs. This is sort of the M.O. from Bryce Elder that we've seen since the start of June is that he can't consistently string, you know, more than two or three good quality starts together. He has one or two blow up starts. And this is sort of becoming a worrisome trend uh, with, with with Elder. I mean, he like, like I said, he went out against Milwaukee two times in a row, six innings, seven innings, two earned runs the first, one earned run the next. The two starts before that, two and two-thirds, five earned runs, and three and a third with seven earned runs. And then he goes out this weekend against the Cubs, four and a third with five earned runs. You can almost set your watch to it. I mean, this is what Bryce Elder is going to do now. And granted, the Cubs are a good third-place team. And when I say good, they they were talking about it over the weekend. They have the best odds right now to win the NL Central. Oh, wow, third yeah, they're in third place, right? I, I yeah, I think you're. I believe you're two and a half games out or something like that. They were. Uh, they are a game out. They're a game out of Milwaukee. Oh yeah, yeah, they're fighting now. So it's they're a really good team. So I I don't you know we we went up against a really hot team because the Cubs have won like fifteen of their last twenty, if not if I'm not mistaken. So they're they're really strong right now. Yeah, not a lot of losses on their schedule after the All Star break. Uh, Braves fall to the Cubs on Sunday, six to four. Olsen had three RBIs. Acuna had an RBI, and Morton looked just like Bryce Elder on sun, on Saturday. Four and a third, five earned runs, four Ks. Yeah, this is not ideal. This is not what you need from your starting pitching. Um, Charlie Morton wasn't. It wasn't the fact that he wasn't hitting his spots. It just they were hitting him. Yeah. And there's nothing he could have done about it. I'm, I'm more concerned about the Bryce Elder start than I am the Charlie Morton start. Like you said, Morton Morton didn't 
pitch bad. The the line and the stats that he's going to show don't look great, but uh, he was he was hitting his marks, and the Cubs were just taking what he was given. And this is this is sort of what I've expected out of Charlie Morton. You know, I don't want to see him go less than five. Uh, and five earned runs is not great, but I think that, I think somewhere around there is sort of where Morton is going to live this season. I think he's going to pitch somewhere around he's going to give you five innings you know here or there just about every single outing uh, around five innings and probably give up three to five earned runs I think that's just where Charlie Morton is in his career so the the start Sunday obviously not great I want to see Morton do better but it's not far off of where I expect Morton to be on a night you know start to start basis as to where Bryce Elder we've seen that he has the capability of going out there pitching seven and allowing no earned runs the up and down nature of the way Bryce Elder uh, has been pitching as of late is very concerning. You know, the, the outing for Morton yesterday, obviously not great, but it's sort of what I've expected from, from Charlie Morton. I mean, it, it's not far off of kind of his line for the season. So I, I guess the, the Bryce Elder, the Bryce Elder outing concerns me quite a bit more than the, than the Charlie Morton outing. One of the funny things that, that always kills me about Charlie Morton uh, you know, there's only he's pitched in 23 games this year, I think, and only three of those games he has had a no decision. Every single other game he's had has he's had a decision in. Well, you know how I feel about decisions. Yeah, but uh, that's just weird. As you know, as dumb as the win loss uh, stat is, it's pretty crazy that uh, you know I said 20. I think he's only had a decision, not a decision in two games actually. Every single other game that he's pitched in, he's had a decision, which is just odd. You don't see that a lot in baseball. No, but I'm, I'm I, with you on the win-loss. It's, it's a dumb statistic. I love that I've brought you over to that side. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. It. I'm 1,000% <laughs> with Give me ERA, and even more more than ERA, give me whip. Uh, give me. Yep. Yeah, much much more much more telling stat than wins and losses. Is It's cool if you get a guy that wins like 20 games. Like It's, just, it's a neat celebration to have, but I, it's, sure. yeah, it's a, it's a dumb stat. Whip and, and fielding independent pitching, FIP, right now are the best yes. things yeah. because that, that right there will tell you everything you need to know about a pitcher. Yeah. Uh, Braves are 45 and 11 when hitting two plus home runs in a game this year. Oop. That's 45 <laughs> and 11. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, that's the key to victory right there. We talked about it last week a little bit when, when the long ball is not sailing out, which it wasn't. I think Sunday they hit uh, one and Saturday they hit two. Uh, when the long ball is not sailing out for the Braves, man, we, we don't win games. It, it is what it is. And I I know that's the era of baseball we are going to now. I know that's sort of the format that a lot of the MLB teams have right now, and that's the plan. It, it's just a little concerning for me for the playoffs, man, because when you get to the playoffs, it seems like home runs are at a premium, and we need to do a better job of, of getting them on, getting them over, and getting them in. Now, that might be a very old, antiquated way of thinking about scoring runs, but it's just one of those one of those weaknesses that the Braves have is that when they're not hitting home runs, they don't score runs. It's it's sort of like base running, man. I just I don't know I don't know why we are so terrible at base running, and I think that's gonna bite us in the playoffs. Yeah, our buddy Matt Skinner began angrily typing in, "Why are we the worst base running team in the in the world?" <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's. It's frustrating because, you know, we focus on so many things. You know, the Braves the Braves have done some really, really good things offensively this year, but it's just some of the things that we do. You know, you talk about how Wash is, is like the savant at, at fielding, right? You right. Know, but at the same time, 
we get to that point where Wash is a third base coach and we suck so bad at base running. Like, what are we doing? I don't know. What are we doing? It's it's embarrassing at some points. And like you said, like our offense is, it's the second best offense in baseball. So we're being very nitpicky here. But when you see stuff like glaring weaknesses like that, that you would think could be cleaned up very easily, it's frustrating when you see it week in and week out. Braves have the most home runs in Major League Baseball history through 109 games with 212. That's a lot lot of home runs. (laughs) A lot of home runs. That's a lot of home runs. Uh, I think the mark was set by the White Sox. Um, I don't remember when. Uh, But they ended with like 300 and something home runs. So that'd be a cool little, little team record for the Braves to chase this year. Braves are still 10 and a half games up on the fighting fills. Now the Marlins have dropped back down to third place over the weekend. They are now 14 games back of the Braves, uh, which is lovely to see and 16 games back in the loss column. So it's, it's a good thing. I don't know. I, Braves if, you, a, if you, if you ahead. look, if you look at Twitter over the weekend, I think the Braves are probably going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, Braves <laughs> Braves to begin a four-game set with the Pirates starting tonight. Uh, Spencer Strider on the bump, which I'm excited to see him right the ship for the Braves. All right. Uh, college football. This has been uh, interesting. To, to say, say the least. Very, very yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead and give me this topic on college football because, dear Lord, man. Yeah, somebody brought this up. I was listening to Sports Talk Radio. Um, you know, it was Marty and McGee. That's what it was. I was watching it. Was it Saturday? Saturday or Sunday morning, I was watching Marty and McGee on, on ESPN. They do a great job. I, I love Marty Smith. Uh, and they brought this up about the college football shuffle, and I haven't thought about it from this perspective yet, Billy. And, and, I, and I'm going to give you a, a synopsis of what's gone on so far in this offseason. The college football shuffle, and the big question is, is college football in danger of dying? Um, Oregon and Washington are heading to the Big Ten. They're following USC and UCLA. So the, the Big Ten Conference is going to span all the way from Rutgers on the East Coast to the West Coast, um, Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. Really weird. Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, and Arizona are heading to the Big 12. Uh, the Pac-12, or the, the Big 12, excuse me. Uh, the Pac-10 is dead, right? Like, the, the, they're... They're completely dead. They're yeah. They can't. I mean, they brought a TV deal to the table, offering schools twenty million dollars per school. Like that is, that is chump change. That is pennies. And you have, you have Miami and UNC and FSU from the ACC all talking about getting out of there as well. Um, it's it's just very it's very very odd, man. It's a very very odd time with the college football shuffling. It's gonna be it's gonna be the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, and the SEC, and those are the only three conferences that are gonna be that are gonna matter. The Power Five is gonna turn into the Power Three. The big question I had, and I didn't think about it this way until Marty and McGee brought it up, is is the is college football turning into the NFL, and is it to the detriment of college football? You know, one of the things that I think people love about the college football is the historic matchups, and you know. I don't know, kind of the the mystery around the SEC versus the Big Ten versus the Big 12 versus the Pac-10 versus the ACC. And it, it almost seems like the like college football is becoming unregionalized now, where, where it's not, you know, the Northeast team versus the Southwest West Conference versus the Northwest Conference. It's, it's almost turning into the NFL, to where you have a big conglomerate of really good teams all playing each other. Like, there's no history between 
Rutgers and Washington or Oregon and Northwestern. Like there's ju- there's just no there's no juice there. There's nothing behind it to push it. And I think true college football blue blood fans are going to get sick and tired of this. Like you know, I think Georgia Texas that's a cool matchup, but do Georgia fans really care about playing Texas every year or, or Alabama playing Oklahoma every single year? And and that got me thinking: if you keep modeling college football more and more after the NFL, is it going to kill your product? Because Billy, I don't know about you, but I don't know many people that love college football and NFL equally, especially down here in the South. It's You know, I I really don't know that many NFL fans, to be honest with you. I know hundreds of college football fans, but is is this something that if they keep going and keep marketing and mirroring college football like the NFL, is is college football going to take a dip in popularity? Obviously, college football is, and, and for those of you in the South that don't understand this, college football is behind the NFL in popularity. It may not seem that way down here, but I promise you across the nation, the NFL is way more popular than college football. For sure. That being said, I I love the college game. I love watching great matchups that end up looking fantastic. But I don't have... Maybe it's just because... I'm so sick and tired of the BS, um, you know, pregame, when I say pregame, or preseason games between Ohio State and Northwest yeah. Southeast. Yeah. Yeah. Youngstown whoever. Academy for the Deaf, Dumb, and Blind. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of it. I mean, that's, that's basically how, uh, you know, the SEC lives because they they have such a tough conference, right? They right. have those those horrible matchups at the beginning of the season, and you know, kind of right there at the end of the season. In Georgia's case, but, um, oh, was that a, was that yeah. a little shot of Georgia Tech there? No, no not at <laughs> all. I don't know, man. Like I, I'm okay with it. Like I'm okay with having the Big Ten. This makes. It, in my opinion, this makes college football more popular. You know, when you talk about the Pac-12, the Pac-12 after dark, you know, that that big thing. Now, Big Ten fans are going to tune in and they're going to pay attention to, you know, Washington and Oregon's game that are happening later at night. Um, you know, it's going to make the po- game more popular because you literally have to watch if you're going to if you're going to be a fan of your team. You're going to be literally watching from noon all the way up till, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's how it can work. And I guess this is a crappy question to ask either one of us um, because, you know, we're we're both we're both gluttons for punishment. Like we stay awake until 2 a.m. to watch Hawaii play. And we're both we're both NFL fans. I guess this question probably is. I'll tell you who this question is, is more geared to. It's geared to the Clay Hardens of the world. You know, our, our good buddy Clay Harden, you know, he watches, he stays up to Hawaii. Well, yeah, he does. But is, is Clay going to care about Mississippi State versus Oklahoma? You know, is, is Clay, I, I guess that, I guess our question probably should be, 
directed more towards the Clay Hardens because Clay doesn't Clay doesn't watch the NFL. Like I know he's a big I know he's a big Bengals fan and he's a big Joe Burr fan and he goes up there all the time. But he's not a guy that's gonna watch a you know he's not gonna watch the watch the the Patriots versus the Texans on a on a Thursday night. You know what I mean? Like he's not he's not as big of an NFL guy as he is a, a college football guy. Like is this yeah, is I, conference expan- I, I, expansion yeah. killing the vibe? No, I don't think so. I, I honestly don't think so. But, I mean, that's just that's just me. I just think it's making conf- college football that much better. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people that have already texted me and disagreed with me, but I I don't, I don't you know. Yeah. This, this is why college football is great, because you can have these differences of opinion. I mean, you know, Bryce, you and I have lived in Georgia our entire lives, pretty much, right? Yes. So, and we've been Ohio State fans. How has that gone for us as far as getting teased? Not great. Not great. No. Yeah. So it, we're, it, that's that's part of why college football is great because, yeah, we're we're not backing down from our fandom because people are teasing us. I, I love the college game because of this. I love the college game because of how people can have differences of opinion and it actually doesn't, like, we could still be friends. But, hey, I did see something this weekend that I wanted to bring up to you. Okay. Um, it's a it's a college thing, so we'll go right along with this. All right. The teams, according to ESPN's FPI, it's the teams with the best chance to make the college football playoff. Okay. Okay. All right. USC comes in at the bottom of this list, but still top six. So at 24.7%. Wow. They have probably the nation's best returning quarterback. Yeah, and they're considered 24.7. That's surprising. It's very, very surprising. I, I thought they'd be the top. That team up north is has an FPI projection to make the playoff at 25.9%. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say this is Jim Harbaugh's most talented team he's ever had in Ann Arbor. Wow. Yeah. Wow. There is, there is, I, you, you know, and everybody on this podcast that listens to this, know how much i hate that team up north i it is i physically get ill and when we lose i get depressed for like a week and a half like it's, i hate i hate them uh but i you know i'm, I'm not going to spin it two different ways this this is probably jim harbaugh's most talented team he's ever had up in ann arbor texas comes in at fourth with an FBI projection of 34.2. I want to see Texas be good, man. Texas is one of those teams that I've always cheered for. Um, you know, Texas is kind of like Arkansas. It's, it's one of those teams that I've always, for some reason, they've always had a soft spot in my heart. I've always cheered for Texas. I'd love to see Texas get back to being good. Alabama at third with 62.1%. I don't know, man. They got a quarterback issues. Uh, obviously, there's talent everywhere else, and they still have Nick Satan as their head coach, but uh, there's, there's some quarterback issues. I don't even think they're the best team in the West, but we'll see. One percentage higher, the Georgia Bulldogs at 63.1%. Yeah, that's kind of weird because Georgia has some leeway. Like Georgia could drop a regular season game, but as long as they win the East and, and win the SEC championship, that they're they're good. That's that's kind of surprising. They're only one percentage higher than Alabama. But once again, breaking in a new quarterback, Carson Beck's probably gonna be their quarterback, kind of an unknown. 63.1% to 82.2% as the number one team or the number one projected team to make the playoff Ohio State wow that's 
wow. insane. That's it? nuts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they see up in Columbus that I don't. Uh, I think the team is very, very talented, but we still have questions at linebacker outside of Tommy Eichenberg. We still don't have uh, an RB1. I think our best running back is probably, for some reason, third string on the depth chart. We have a guy that's calling offense that's never been an offensive coordinator. Uh, we have a quarterback competition that's still not settled, and if you watch the spring game, they both look like absolute dog crap. Um, I I don't even think we're the best team in the Big Ten. I think we might be the most talented team in the Big Ten, but I don't think as a team we're going to be the best team. That's very, very surprising, man. I, I hope they know something that I don't know um, because you're going to get tested early at Ohio State is up, up in Notre Dame. So I don't know. Maybe they know something I don't. All right, continuing the disappointment theme, <laughs> what a crappy the United weekend. States women's national team falls 5-4 to four in penalty kicks to <sighs> Sweden and gets kicked out in the first round of the knockout stages. By a millimeter. By a millimeter. That ball crossed the goal line by a freaking millimeter. That was nuts. I've never seen a goal like that. I've never come to it. But uh, anyway. Uh, so my question is, Bryce, should we be as disappointed in them as we are? And is it fair? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I think it's fair that we'd be disappointed in the women's national team. It's the first time they've ever been knocked out this early in the tournament. They couldn't score. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's fair to heap some disappointment on top of this United States women's national team. We, we've become accustomed to them winning the World Cup and or winning gold or whatever competition they're in. We, we, we've become accustomed to them being the best and when they are not the best i think it is fair to you know criticize them absolutely yes i think it's fair and you know there's we live in a very in my opinion we live in a very red state okay um, because of and the when clay? i say that there's a lot of people that are focused on certain things do you think the social the social justice agenda of the team got in the way of them focusing on training and winning the World Cup? Uh, yeah, I do. I do, honestly. Um, and, and and I'm not going to give you my opinion on what I think about, you know, what they were doing and everything. But, yeah, I think it was a distraction. I think it was a little bit of a distraction with, with them kind of trying to be, I, I don't know. It almost seemed like their agenda was more important than the actual game they were playing. And maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Like, I, you know, we're just, we're idiots on here on, on the radio talking about it. We're not at training. But, yeah, I think it I think it could have probably been a bit of a, a bit of a distraction for the team. I, I, I think that is a, a very fair accusation to make. And should the blame be on the players or the coach? No. Um... A little bit of both, probably more on the coach. The the substitutions were terrible when they were made. I mean, they had a they had a you know a ninety minute match the other day, and there was no there was only one substitution I think in the entire match. Uh, we had some good subs that never even saw the pitch. So I, I think it's probably 70-30 on the coach. Um, you know, the players were taking their chances from time to time, but I, the players didn't play as good as they should have played. But I don't think the coach did them any favors and put them in a successful, you know, situation. So I would say probably 70, 30, 60, 40. The majority of the the blame should be on the coach. But it was a it was an embarrassing outing for the United States women's national team. And anybody who says otherwise is a snowflake that doesn't expect enough out of a team that should have dominated the World Cup. Amen. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's. 
you know, don't set the bar too low. That, like that, that's just, I, you know, that's, that's like giving the United States women national team a participation trophy. And we're not about participation trophies here on the morning five. God, no, no, God, no. that is not what we are about. Billy, let's get to the Marine South scoreboard from this past weekend. Let's get some good news in here from this past weekend. Bowden at Heard County had a scrimmage down there. Billy, uh, tell us all about it, man. You were down there doing a little commentating, training people. How'd it go? Bowden looks good. Um, believe it or not, Bowden looks really, 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 <laughs> really good. Um, I'll, Kyler McGrin, I'll put that in uh, the column of things I am not surprised about. <laughs> Kyler McGrin looks really strong at quarterback. Jordan Beasley laid a hit uh, early on in the game that made the entire stands go, ooh, um, even on the home side, the beast, um, dude, it was, it was a great, great game. Bowden ended up winning. I, I think they turned the, the score off in the third quarter, but, um, they ended up winning. They were up by at least a touchdown at the time. Um, but I'll, I'll say this, um, there's a, there's a legit quarterback competition going on at her County. Really? Um, Yes, That's a legit surprising. quarterback competition because I'm telling you, uh, between Sean Swafford and uh, Ethan Tisdale, those two kids played their tails off. And uh, oh, Ethan Tisdale threw a absolute dime about 35, 40 yards downfield for a touchdown to LJ Green. And I was... Oh, oh, I was impressed. That kid is, um, I, I love watching that kid play anything. LJ Green, he is so athletic, yeah. man. I love watching that kid play absolutely anything. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun year for both of them. I think Heard County, Heard County's got some, a lot of very, very talented kids and they're going to make some noise. Like for real, they're going to make some noise. What did the uh, uh, Bowden quarterback situation look like? Because is there, you were talking about McGrin. Did, did McGrin get most of the passing yards for Bell? McGrin, McGrin started and was there for, I don't think, Devin Powell finally came in with about six minutes left to go in the in the first half. Okay, okay. Um, they saw enough from McGrin. They were like, yep, you're a good kid. Let's go. And, <laughs> Pop on uh, out of here. Took him out. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a good night for both of them. Um, you know, the, the quarterback competition for both teams is it's it's going to be interesting. That's it exciting. looks like McGrain is going to be the starter, but um, really, Devin Powell, played, Devin Powell played his tail off, like his tail off. What a good problem his, to have. First play from scrimmage, he he ran like thirty five yards downfield. Of course he did. It was, <laughs> and it was just a it was his own read and he just oh god dude it was it was pretty well you're, so t- you're telling me bowden can successfully run the zone read again this year yeah oh boy yeah, oh boy <laughs> uh that, was, that's awesome dude that's great uh we had uh do you know the bremen versus rockmart score i couldn't find that from friday night no but from what i heard it. from what i heard it didn't go well oh that's a shame that's that's a shame. And that was that was hearing from a couple kids at the uh, at the haircut place that we went to on Saturday. So uh, also called barber shops. I, I don't know if I would call that place a barber shop. Okay, but okay, a haircut place. I like it. Uh, yeah. yeah, really. The only the only actual score that I got was out of Central, where they beat uh, Spalding seventeen to fourteen. 
I think Temple beat Mount Zion 12 to nothing. Let me double check that. Okay. I, I looked for that okay. one as well, and I couldn't. I, I could find some stuff on Bremen talking about the Rockmart game, but I couldn't find score wise anything for Mount Zion versus Temple. Like, I couldn't find anybody yeah. talking about it, score, nothing. Corey Nix, I texted Corey Nix on Saturday, uh, 12 to nothing. He said uh, they were rusty. So definitely we killed it. Offensively, we marched the ball down, but stalled out some. So part of that was. He said because they didn't want to show much. So, no, I understand. Playing it close to the vest. Uh, so the first round of scrimmages are done. We have the second round of scrimmages uh, coming up this Friday. I was out at the Wildcat Welcome, saw the purple versus white game. Uh, Billy, that Zay Bell kid, he's going to be a problem. He is, um, he's going to be a problem. Yeah. That kid can spin it. And he is elusive and fast. He threw a 55-yard dime to Carson Nally in a fade route at the corner of the end zone that Carson Nally went up and snagged down and caught for a tutty. Uh, it's, it, so does Austin have a uh, quarterback competition too? I think it is going to be a legit quarterback competition between Will Wallace and Zabel. I, I would like to see them run two different packages for each quarterback. Um, I know the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks, but that's more of college and especially the NFL. Like when you're in high school, you can run two different packages for two different quarterbacks. I think, I think Will Wallace is a bit more accurate, uh, and probably a bit more calm, cool and collected in the pocket. But Zay Bell is, is probably a better athlete back there in the pocket. Uh, Zay probably has a stronger arm, but I think Will is a little bit more accurate. It's you know it's one of those things that if you could mix the two quarterbacks you'd get a you get a perfect prospect but they both bring a very interesting set of skills to the table uh, and something that I think Austin Austin Barron could take advantage of but they look they look good man and I talked to our buddy RB and he said that Villanueva is going to come up and surprise some people this year with with the talent they have and the buy-in they have this year practices sound different. That's what RB was telling me. He said, practices sound different this year at VR. He said, there's a lot more popping. There's a lot more arguing. There's a lot more disagreements happening, which is a which is a great thing for, you know, that's what you want in your football team. Is you want some sand. Right. You want some dog in there. You want some dog. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, look looked good. It was a fun, fun time. Um, Timbo, I don't think, was there. I think Timbo and, and Miss Laura were, like, on vacation at the lake or something. I, I never saw Timbo, uh, and I saw Austin once. So it was a little chaotic, uh, but it was it was neat. I saw more people out at the Wildcat Welcome than were at some of the games last year. So that's a great promising thing from the Villarica community is them coming out and supporting uh, everybody out there at the Wildcat Welcome. But it's going to be an interesting I'll year. Tell you, I'll tell you one thing. that The attendance at Hurt County Bowden was ridiculous. It was I'll, awesome. I'll put that on other categories of things I'm not surprised of either. Um, it was it yeah. was packed. That's I mean absolutely packed. Not it was awesome. That's great. Is there anything like a, a Friday night atmosphere? No, especially down in Hurt County. Yeah, I mean I love Hurt County, man. There's there's nothing like it, dude. There's nothing beats in the world. Uh, heading over to the softball this past weekend, Bremen beats Carrollton seven to nothing. Just in a scrimmage game, for some reason Bremen should uh, Bremen is not ranked number one in the state for some reason. Last week I would venture a guess and say they will be somewhere in the top three this week that bremen team is very very good and i have it on pretty good authority that it is the best team a certain someone has seen all preseason uh so that that bremen team is very 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 good 
Uh, Bowden versus LaGrange and Troop. Both of those games were canceled due to weather, unfortunately, and Temple fell to North Atlanta 3 to nothing on Friday evening. On Saturday in softball, Temple fell to Ringgold 16 to nothing, but came back and beat Cass 13 to 2. On the Smith's floor coverings, games and events calendar for tonight in softball, we have Carrollton at Marietta at 5.30 and Villarica at home versus Decatur at 6.30. Make sure to check weather app and social media to make sure we don't get those games canceled. ton of rain came in last night, and we're supposed to get some more just scattered thunderstorms this evening. Yeah, and these are legit games. Yes. Like, these these count towards the count towards the record. Indeedo, so. indeedo. I still need another cup of coffee? Yes, sir, I sure do. Another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Strong with the Robert Goosebill Real Estate Group. Bryson DeChambeau cards a 58 and finishes Sunday with a 35-foot putt. <laughs> That's crazy. Insane. And he looked, I don't know if <clears throat> you saw the picture, but he kind of looked like um, Payne Stewart. Oh, man, he yeah. Yeah, he did. Now that you said that. Oh, yeah. It was it was a weird like picture. I was like, why are they showing a picture of Payne Stewart? And then I was like, oh, that's Bryson. <laughs> that's Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, yeah, a much skinnier Bryson DeChambeau over the past year and a half, yeah. two years. Yeah. Uh, Panthers rookie quarterback Bryce Young will start their preseason opener. Are you surprised by this? No, I'm, I'm not. not. And I find it weird that um, that they're like they have to come out and announce this. Like, why is Frank Wright coming out and? I don't know. I found I'm not surprised, but I am. I find it weird that he's coming out and announcing that Bryce Young is going to be their starting quarterback for the pre preseason opener. Like, of course he is. He's you drafted him number one overall. Like, why wouldn't he be? No ish. Yeah, this is very odd. Uh, Ex White Sox reliever Kenyon Middleton rips the club's quote no rules unquote culture. Oh, dude, this wow. is this is a weird weird story, man. He said you have. He said, we came in with no rules. He said, I don't know uh, how the policy or culture, uh, how you build that up if there's no rules or guidelines to follow uh, because everyone is doing their own thing. He said, you have rookies sleeping in the bullpen during the game. You have guys missing meetings. You have guys missing pitcher fielding practice. And there's no consequences for any of this stuff. Like uh, he said, he pretty much came in and do whatever he wanted. Like there were, there was just no rules at all with the White Sox for what they had to do, when they had to do it, be on time for meetings, be on time for games, nothing. He said it was a uh, just a complete free-for-all. Pedro Griffel is the White Sox manager. Do you know that? Uh, no, I had n- I have no idea who that person is. <laughs> Not either. a clue. Like, Pedro Griffel. G-R-I-F-O-L. Okay. Yeah, Pedro right. Gryffindor. No, and then no finally. Idea. Finally, today in 1992, the Orlando Magic sign the NBA number one draft pick, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, kind of a sad story, man. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that 30 for 30 uh, about Shaq and Orlando and kind of how their relationship dissolved uh, after a couple years in Orlando. It would have, have been neat to see him and Penny Hardaway go at it um, as, as running mates in Orlando for years to come. So, yeah, a couple couple good years down in, down in Orlando and – off to LA, one of the one of the greatest, most dominant basketball players of all time. Got anything else for us? Nah, man. Let's get out of here on a Monday. Start our week off right. 
Let's get out of here on a Monday. Stay weather aware. Like Bryce mentioned, uh, they, we are in a, a elevated um, storm look this, this afternoon. So be, be weather aware. Um, but also check your local listings and make sure that Carrollton and Villarica both get off uh, without a hitch. I know I will get a text message from one of the parents later today. Uh, but that's it for the morning five for Bryce Barling. I am Billy Lindahl. Have a great day, everybody. We will talk to you Tuesday. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbor. Just shake them. Shake your neighbor.